You're listening to Divorce Happy Hour. I am your host today, Christina Previtt. Today's topic is the marital home and what to do with it in a divorce. Very often people want to stay in the house. I'm going to generalize, as I often do, that many times it's the wife and the mom who wants to stay in the house because if she's going to have primary custody, she wants to keep the kids in the house. Sometimes that is feasible. If there's enough money, then it's feasible. When is there enough money? There's enough money when you are getting enough money from your income and or support to be able to continue to support the household. That means all of the bills. That means your living expenses and whatever other expenses you may have that are regular recurring expenses and other expenses related to your lifestyle. Unfortunately, the reality is that in most cases, there is not enough money to go around when you have an intact family that is now dividing and will be supporting two homes on virtually the same income that they were supporting one home. Unfortunately, it's common that it just makes sense for both parties to downsize. So what happens when you have to do that? There's basically two options when you're getting a divorce, what to do with the house. Either one person buys the other one out or you sell it and you split the proceeds. Those are really the only two options. So what does it look like in a buyout situation? In a buyout situation, what you're buying out is the other party's share of the equity. If you don't know how to calculate the equity, here's a really rough formula. You have to determine what the fair market value of the house is. If you don't know that, you can get an appraisal. You can get a comparative market analysis. You could just guess right now for purposes of this conversation. Some people like to go on Zillow. That's not the most reliable place to get a value, but if you're just doing this as an exercise, you could start there just to get a ballpark. So you figure out what the fair market value is. That's basically what would someone probably buy your house for today if you listed it for sale. Then you figure out how much your mortgage is, and that doesn't mean the monthly payments. That's the balance of the mortgage, $100,000, $200,000, $500,000, whatever you owe the bank. That's what you would deduct from the fair market value. If you have any other liens on the property, those would have to come out too. If you have a home equity loan, that has to be paid. If you have a line of credit that has a balance, that has to be paid. So if you have a $500,000 house and your mortgage is $250,000, then you have about $250,000 in equity. Assuming that you and your spouse are splitting all of your assets 50-50, because that's mostly how we do it. You don't have to do it that way, but in most cases, that's how we do it you would have to give your spouse half of the equity. So in this scenario, the other spouse would be entitled to $125,000. So if you want to buy him or her out, you would have to pay that person that much. So you would have to refinance the property into your name 
and take out enough money so that your spouse could be paid. So what that really means is whatever your mortgage is now, it's going to be higher. So you would need to really sit down, look at your budget, look at what you're making and what you net after taxes. And if you're paying support, you'd have to look at how much money do you actually have after that. If you're the one receiving support, then that's income to you that you could use to support your lifestyle. But you really have to take a very careful look at all of your finances, all of your income from every source, any taxes, and all of your reasonable expenses. That's why the case information statement is so incredibly important. A lot of attorneys and clients, they'll just throw it together. It's a bother to have to do it because it's time consuming and you have to do it to file it with the court. But it, you really need to spend time on it. And it's not just for the court. It's not just for your lawyer. You really need to do that for yourself because that document probably is the most important document in the entire case. Look at your budget very carefully and be honest with yourself about what you really spend. A lot of us probably spend more than we think we do. The case information statement also has some gaps. There might be some expenses that you don't have on a regular monthly basis. They just come up once in a while. You need to make sure you include those so that you're not shortchanging yourself. I always tell my clients, especially my females, that if you have salon services, make sure you're accounting for all of that. If you're getting massages, how often do you get your hair done? Include tips. Are you getting pedicures? Are you getting Botox? What are you really doing? How do you live and what do you spend? Make sure you include all of those things because alimony and child support are factored in. So if you've shortchanged yourself, you don't want to be in a predicament later where you realize, I forgot a lot of expenses and now I don't have enough money. That's probably a topic for another podcast. These are all the things that we look at when we sit down with our clients and help them figure out, can I afford the house? A lot of people really have strong emotional attachments to the house. And I do think that this is a little more common with women for various sociological reasons that we don't need to get into. But I really implore you to very carefully consider do I want to stay in the house because I have an emotional attachment to it, even though I can't afford it? Or is there really a legitimate reason why I need to stay in the house? Because I would much rather see you have to sever the emotional attachment and downsize and relocate to a place where you will be much more secure financially. So please think about that when you're making that decision. The other option, if you can't do a buyout, is to sell the property. I normally do not recommend that people sell the property during the divorce because usually support is not established yet and we can't have a mom or a dad moving out of the house and setting up somewhere else when they don't really have certainty about their income because whether you're receiving support or paying it, you don't really know what that final result is going to be 
So you don't necessarily know what you can afford or not afford. And you don't want to move somewhere thinking that you can afford it. And then it turns out that you really can't. This is more of an issue for, and again, I'm generalizing, if the wife is the one that's getting alimony and or child support, if she moves out, she probably doesn't have support yet. So she probably can't move out until she has that income because it's partly going to subsidize her living expenses. So I always prefer that people have a global settlement before they sell the house. Sometimes there are reasons why you need to sell the house. Maybe you're behind on the mortgage and you just want to unload it, or there's a foreclosure, or maybe you both just agreed that the house is a drain on the finances and it's better for everybody if you sell it. That's okay. You can do that. But as an attorney, I would always make sure that there's some agreement in place about what support is going to be, even if it's temporary, when you sell the house if the divorce isn't done yet. And then the other issue is that you have to really determine what's the custody and parenting time arrangement when you're not living together anymore. So that's, again, probably a topic for another show. But to put it simply, those are really your two options. You either buy, one person buys the other one out, or you sell the property. I do have people come in frequently who have discussed not having a refinance done. And attorneys will debate that issue. I personally think that people should do the right refinance because you want to have as much finality and closure in your divorce as possible. I understand that sometimes there are situations when it just makes more sense and it's easier for everybody if both spouses stay on the mortgage for a little while we can discuss that, and if it does make sense, then we can put some limitations on it. We can just make sure that there's language in your settlement agreement that adequately addresses that issue and has some time frame on when is the refinance going to happen or, or are you going to sell it in the future, who's paying the bills in the meantime, who's paying the mortgage, what if that person stops paying the mortgage? What recourse do you have then? What if there is maintenance and repairs, especially something significant? You know, what if you need a new furnace? Who's paying for that? The other issue is really the timing. When is the house going to be sold? You don't want there to just be this open-ended provision where the person who's in the house just never has to sell it, and it's solely at their own discretion. So there are a number of issues that you really have to deal with, and that's why I prefer that there be a refinance or a sale rather than continuing this these, le- these financial entanglements because it just makes things a little money. So whatever situation you're in, there is always a way to, to craft a tailor-made arrangement that works for your family. And that's why I have to speak in generalities because everybody's situation isn't exactly the same. If you need some guidance on making this decision, and I strongly recommend that people sit down with a financial planner and or an accountant to help them with this. Your attorney, unless he or she is a tax attorney, 
is going to be somewhat limited on what they can advise you, you might want to find out how much am I paying in taxes on certain things. If, what am I getting in equitable distribution? Can I liquidate that? Will there, there be tax consequences? You need to really understand all of those things before you sign your settlement agreement. And your accountant or your financial planner can sometimes be really valuable in helping you figure out, can I really afford this house? Does it make sense for me to stay here? Those are some considerations for you. It is a big decision. If you need guidance, you can always call us at New Jersey Divorce Solutions, 732-529-6937. You can find us on the web at centraljerseyfamilylaw.com. I hope that this information was helpful. If you have any feedback, positive or negative, please feel free to email me at Christina, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, at pnlawnj.com. I always welcome feedback on how we're doing with the podcast. And if there are any issues that you would like us to talk about, please feel free to reach out to us. And thank you for listening.